It's Friday, June 14th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into the drama going down between the US and Iran. We'll connect the dots on the blame game and why the Gulf of Oman is so important when it comes to oil. Then, the Flint water crisis is back in the headlines after the state prosecutor said, do over. We'll give you the details. And finally, ahead of Father's Day weekend, no dad jokes, but a special tribute to the Superman in your life. We're here to make your Friday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Wayfair Registry. It's the fastest growing wedding registry for a reason. We love it. We think you will too. The most complicated story today is about Iran and the U.S. The two countries have a long history of not getting along. But over the last couple of days, things have ratcheted up. Quick recap. The U.S. backed out of the Iran nuclear deal last year. The U.S. says Iran's supporting terrorists in the Middle East. In April, the U.S. called Iran's Revolutionary Guard, a branch of their military, a terrorist organization. They accused Iran of threatening U.S. troops in the region. And so the U.S. sent more military ships to Iran's backyard in the Persian Gulf. Last month, senior U.S. officials blamed Iran for attacks on four oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman, which connects the Persian Gulf to the rest of the world. Then, early Thursday morning, it happened again. There were explosions on two massive oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman. The crews of both ships were evacuated, and at least one of the tankers caught fire. Again, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo pointed the finger at Iran. These unprovoked attacks present a clear threat to international peace and security, a blatant assault on the freedom of navigation, and an unacceptable campaign of escalating tension by Iran. This time, the Pentagon says they've got proof that Iran's Revolutionary Guard was behind at least one of these attacks. In all of the cases, Iran's denied. And this they-said-they-said argument has major global implications, both politically and economically. We're going to get into the blame game between both countries, why this particular part of the world is already a stress inducer, and what's ultimately at stake here. Like we said, the U.S. blames Iran for these new explosions. The Defense Department says they've got intelligence and a video showing members of Iran's Revolutionary Guard approaching one of the tankers and making off with something called a limpet mine. Those are bombs that attach magnetically to ships and then explode. The U.S. says the Revolutionary Guard put the mine on that ship and then took it off. Here's President Trump on Fox and Friends this morning. Well, Iran did do it, and you know they did it because you saw the boat. I guess one of the mines didn't explode, and it's probably got essentially Iran written all over it. Iran denies this. They say the attacks are part of a conspiracy by enemies like the U.S., Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Israel against Iran. Just to add another complication here, the operator of one of the tankers the one that the U.S. says had a limpet mine attached to it, says he thinks his ship was attacked by a flying object. In fact, he's been doubtful that his ship had a mine attached to it at all. That ship's operator is from Japan. And when these explosions went off yesterday, the Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, happened to be in Iran's capital of Tehran, meeting with Iran's supreme leader and its president, in part to try to tamp down the animosity between Iran and the U.S., awkward. There's a reason why Japan cares about what's going on between the U.S. and Iran. It has to do with the Gulf of Oman. Because oil. 
See, ships pass through the Gulf of Oman every day, from the Persian Gulf carrying millions of barrels of oil from places like Saudi Arabia, Iran, and the United Arab Emirates into the Arabian Sea to the rest of the world. A fifth of the world's oil gets shipped out of there, especially to Asia. Japan gets 80% of its oil from here. And Saudi Arabia is the U.S.'s second biggest oil supplier. Between the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman, ships have to pass through this tiny little waterway called the Strait of Hormuz. It's really narrow, and ships have very little room to get through. And that's why it's a really critical zone. Iran has threatened in the past to close it off, if other countries, like the U.S., prevent them from using it. Now these attacks on oil tankers are adding a whole new layer of stress to the situation. But it's not just access to oil that's at stake. The Trump administration says it's still interested in diplomacy, like bringing Iran to the negotiating table. It isn't talking about war here. But remember, the U.S. is blaming Iran's Revolutionary Guard for this latest tanker explosion. And like we said, the Trump administration officially designated the group a terrorist organization back in April. And thanks to this bill called the Authorization for Use of Military Force, or the AUMF, which was passed by Congress after 9-11, presidents have said they can bypass congressional approval to go to war, if they're fighting terror groups. Not everyone agrees this is actually legal, but it's been used to justify conflicts in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, and a bunch of others, too. Members of Congress recently passed legislation in committee that would reel the AUMF in, as tensions between the U.S. and Iran began to escalate. So what's the skim? Like we said, the drama going down in the Strait of Hormuz has global political implications, and also economic ones. Yesterday, oil prices around the world rose by as much as about 4%. But weird thing, the U.S. actually isn't freaking out as much. Because oil production here was up last year. And we've been stockpiling oil just in case. Experts say U.S. oil prices have already been going down. So unless something crazy happens in Hormuz, consumers will actually see lower prices at the pump. If you want to know more about how news impacts your wallet, head over to our website, theskim.com money. It's wedding season. And if you're thinking about where to register, we recommend Wayfair. They have everything from traditional kitchen items to furniture. Plus, they offer free shipping and returns for you and your guests. Yes, even for the big stuff. Right now, Wayfair Registry is offering Skim This listeners $50 in Wayfair rewards when you create a registry. Just use promo code SKIM50 at wayfair.com SKIM50. That's wayfair.com SKIM50. Michigan prosecutors made a pretty big announcement yesterday. They're dropping all criminal charges in the Flint water crisis. In its place, they're planning to launch a more expanded investigation. It's been a minute since we heard about Flint. So let's talk about what's going on here. Flint, Michigan used to be a major city for General Motors, but GM started massively downsizing in the 80s. And by the early 2010s, Flint was strapped for cash. In fact, the city was about $25 million in debt. To save money, a state-appointed emergency manager decided to stop paying for treated drinking water from Detroit and build a pipeline to get water straight from Lake Huron instead. While it was being constructed, they decided to source it directly out of the Flint River. But they didn't take steps to make sure the water was treated properly. And in 2014, just a few months later, the city found unsafe bacteria in the water. 
Then they overchlorinated it. People complained about the discolored water that smelled funny and was making people really sick. The water was eroding the pipes and dangerous levels of lead were leaking into the water. Thousands of kids were exposed to the lead, which can have serious impacts on long-term health. Melissa Mays is a Flint mom who became an activist back in 2015. So what we're seeing is a complete disregard for human life, human safety, and the future of our children. Then, at least 12 people died of Legionnaire's disease, and there were congressional hearings. By the end of 2016, a handful of federal class action lawsuits had been filed. Several top state and local officials were charged with criminal offenses, including involuntary manslaughter. At the beginning of this year, Democrats took over the prosecution. And then yesterday, those prosecutors said they weren't happy with how the investigation had been handled. They said they wanted to start over rather than, quote, build on a flawed foundation. The officials who were facing charges were relieved. They could get another shot in court. They say the original charges were politically motivated. But Flint residents were reportedly disappointed and confused. Flint's mayor, Karen Weaver, said she was surprised, but that justice for Flint is the priority. We'd rather go slow and be right and get accountability and justice than move quickly uh, because that seems to be what was done before. The state's attorney general, Dana Nessel, promised residents that, quote, justice delayed is not always justice denied. And the prosecution says they've got new evidence and identified additional people of interest and that they're aggressively pursuing these leads. The Flint water crisis was one of the worst man-made environmental disasters in U.S. history. So the pressure is on. And now, the least complicated story of the day. Hi, my name's Jackie, and I live in Toronto, Canada. I wanted to give a big shout-out to my amazing dad for this Father's Day. Yesterday, we asked you to give us a call about a great guy in your life. And some of you got competitive. I think my father wins. You told us all the things you love about your dads, grandfathers, husbands, and fathers-in-law. He's the most kind, compassionate, and hardworking human. He's been there for me through everything. It sounds cliche, but he has. The best part about him is he makes me laugh more than anybody on the planet. He's hilarious. There were some great stories, like the dad who put his career on hold to help raise triplets. He did an awesome job, and they're very lucky to have him. The father-in-law who handled housework and cooking, setting a good example for our caller's husband. It's one of those reminders that good habits are contagious. The conservative Catholic grandfather who read up on the LGBTQ plus community after his granddaughter came out. In a world that often feels hopeless, he reminds me that there are truly good people and capacity to change in the world today. You showed us that you're really proud of these guys. Of course, not all dad-kid relationships are great. Him and I are really similar, which always causes us to butt heads. But I know that one thing that he always has is my best interest at heart. But there's still a lot to be grateful for. So dad, thanks for giving me your corny sense of humor, terrible dance moves, and most importantly, your unconditional love and support. So whether you call him dad, grandpa, or hubby, we call him our super manny. Happy Father's Day to all the supermen. And that's all for Skim This. Thank you so much for listening this week and don't forget to hit subscribe. We'd love for you to share the show with your friends and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. 
A lot of news happens over the weekend. So if you want to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com.